Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Brian Murphy, sports editor for our papers in Frisco, Little Elm, and Salina, as well as Taylor Ragland, who does sports for Plano, Allen, and Lake Cities. And gentlemen, let's answer a couple more questions. For the last time this summer, we're going to pull two entries from our ongoing summer question series and preview a couple uh, a couple different subplots heading into the upcoming high school sports year. Um, today's, today's question, we are going to examine Examine uh, some first-year head coaches. That's always a fascinating subplot every off-season. You've always got tons of uh, tons of coaching turnover within our markets, um, and every coaching situation is different and whatnot. So, um, obviously, we can't get to all of them. You know, there's too many to too many to name. But um, we're gonna just uh, just discuss some of the uh, some of the ones that kind of jump off the uh, jump off the page to us for whatever reason, and um, just in a variety of our markets. Um, you know, Brian, we were just discussing you know a couple of the ones in your neck of the woods um, as far as the coaching turnover in Frisco ISD, Little Elm, what have you. What is one that has uh, just kind of uh, jumped off the page in the uh, for the coming school year. The biggest one is you know at Wakeland the girls' soccer job. You know Sid Corey <laughs> retires. You know like two minutes after he wins <laughs> the state title, he's crying and sobbing on the sideline. And I'm trying to get. Him, I'm trying to. Was it known going in that he was going to retire? Yeah. So it was. It was kind of a thing, and it was okay. building up, building up throughout the playoffs. And I was asking people around Wakeland. I was like, man, is he going to retire? Like kind of, you know, uh, off the record type stuff. I was yeah. like, what's the deal? Is he going to retire? Because I'm hearing all the, this buzz about him retiring. Yeah. And they're like, well, it could be. You know, they're kind of. They don't want to say it. You know, yeah. I, I don't. Obviously. And then, you know, leading up to the state tournament, the at that the semifinal game, you know, it was it was becoming more of a realistic, you mm-hmm. know, option for him. And then after the obviously after they won the state title, I asked him, you know, after the big mob scene on the sideline, he's crying, he's, everyone's hugging him. And I'm like, Coach, coach, are you retiring? Is this your last game? Because I heard him say something in his little post game speech. And he said, Yeah, this is my last game, last game I'll ever coach. And I was like, All right, this is gonna be a way to go out. Heck of a way to go out. And so they you know, they didn't venture too far to find his replacement in uh, Jimmy Langford from Little Elm. He's won a state championship three times. Uh, he won in 06 with McKinney North, and he won it twice with McKinney Boyd in 08 and 2011. All girls uh, soccer there. So he's got the pedigree. He's got the state championship experience, and he's returning a bulk of their, their lineup. You know, majority of that team last year mm-hmm. were juniors. So he's, you know, he's handed, handed it to him on a silver platter to win another championship suppose, uh, uh, for, for Class 5A again. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that's what a. It's pretty much the ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. to step right into the shoes of. Is it's not like you know there was any, because every coaching situation is different as far as mm-hmm. the turnover goes. You know, it wasn't like you know coach uh, you know coach Corey was uh, failing to you know live up to expectations yeah. and right. whatnot, and they're just uh, you know, you know parting ways and then leaving a uh, you know mm-hmm. a coach to kind of try to pick up the scratch and regroup. No, I mean he gets to take over a team that was the absolute pinnacle of five yeah, <laughs> A girls soccer in Texas. I believe um that Wakeland uh, Wakeland girls soccer was one of I believe only two jobs for um, where the new coach is going to inherit a defending state champion. The other being Allen Boys Basketball. This one was actually a little surprising when it, when it first came down, um, you know, a, uh, what, six, you know, six, seven weeks or so. Um, you know, Allen, uh, I mean, Allen Boys Basketball won their first ever state championship, you know, earlier, uh, you know, earlier this year. Um, they did so um, on the back of a, uh, of, a pretty, of a pretty significant senior class, and then word came down, um, I want to say it was like May, June, but um, that, uh, that Jeff 
Seth McCullough, you know, Allen's uh, Allen's head coach over the previous, you know, six um, you know six years or so. He um, he was going to be taking a job on the administrative side of things within Allen ISD. It's that wasn't a kind of a spur of the moment thing. This is something that had been in the back of his mind for a while, mm -hmm. transitioning to the administrative side. Once again, getting to uh, you know exit, you know, on a uh, on a state championship note, much like Sid Corey did. So um, but they're not even much like that. They didn't have to really look far to find his replacement. His replacement is actually his brother, who is the assistant coach, uh, Joe McCullough, and he inherits a team that it's a bit of a different situation than uh, you know than Langford has over at Wakeland. I mean, Allen graduates, you know, Allen graduated four of its five starters from that state championship team. They return really just honestly just maybe two players that saw like significant meaningful minutes during their uh, during their championship run. Obviously, Isaiah Stevens, um, you know, one of the best just pound for pound shooters in the Metroplex, and uh, Corey Jones, who was kind of their sixth seventh man, depending on the uh, depending on the matchup. Um, but it's uh, it's it's Allen. You know, you assume that they should have um, you know the covers not exactly going to be bare as far as talent yeah. goes. Um, and it's, but it's at, at the same time that's a program that Jeff McCullough um, really did a, a pretty commendable job of you know putting on the uh, on the map. I mean, mm -hmm. it was when when Coach McCullough was hired back um, in 2013. I want to say Allen hadn't won a playoff game yet in the UIL's largest classification. And then they were able to do that. They advanced to the state tournament that same year. And um, from that point on, I mean, they've, you know, obviously they won a state championship this year. They've been in the state state tournament twice, uh, went to the regional tournament four times. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find too many programs within the past six years that have done more winning than, um, in the postseason at least, than, uh, than Allen. So um, it's certainly a, uh, some pretty pretty big shoes for, for Joe McCullough to fill. Now, was he going to move on if they'd won the state championship or not? Say had they been booted in the first round, mm -hmm. was he going to stick around? I honestly don't know. That's the said. I mean, he, he, at the very least, that's why I say this. You know, the administrative thing wasn't just kind of out of left field. He did have his eye on this as far as being the next step in his career. It could have very well been just the time. The timing was perfect, and mm -hmm. just the uh, an opportunity opened up that. Because um, I, I do think that um, at least as I kind of recount my interview with him, that the opportunity did kind of come. Like so, he had this in mind as far as his next step, but as far as the actual opening, that kind of materialized kind of on the mm -hmm. fly, and it was a pretty fast-moving process. So um, yeah, right. just, everything just happened to kind of fall into place for uh, for Jeff McCullough, but yeah, I mean a situation where um, obviously uh, you know there's a there's a championship championship standard there now, and um, yeah, it'll be on Joe McCullough to keep that uh, to keep that ship going. Um, Taylor, what is uh, what is one coach opening that is a uh, coach hire? I should perfect, say perfect, uh, perfect, two perfect segues actually, because I'm going to go to Allen and I'm going to go to another soccer coach <laughs> who has three uh, state championships under her belt. Um, the Allen girls soccer team, Kevin Alberry, kind of a similar situation, I guess, <laughs> not to uh, not moving up uh, to an administrative role, but but stepping down and, and wanting to take some more time with his family, um, kind of step back from the commitment of coaching a varsity 6A program and go to the JV team and, and still be a part of the program, but but not in you know the highest capacity. Like that, that. that is still yeah. pretty unique when you have yeah. the varsity coach step down to right. coach the JV. But yeah, it was yeah. it was largely you know because of just wanted to balance quality of life with still being able to coach. He loves right. coaching, but yeah, he didn't want to didn't want to leave the program, didn't want to not be a part of it and, and yeah. be around um, the players and all that kind of stuff. But just kind of taking a reduced role and they'll bring in Alan alum um, Kelly Thompson from Ursuline where I mentioned three state titles yeah. um, I don't not consecutive or anything but still impressive she wasn't there um, very long and had three state titles and, and comes over to Allen and, and inherits a good situation much like at Wakeland not a defending state champion but a defending a uh, regional course, finalist yeah. a regional finalist uh, okay. regional yeah. final appearance yeah. so so uh, she inherits a, a young team I think it's a better situation probably than Allen boys basketball even though they can reload a little bit better than other schools just because they have, you know, such a plethora of, of talented athletes and, and people that can take over. Um, I think Kelly Thompson inherits a, a good situation in that, you know, that, that regional final 
team uh, doesn't lose a whole lot. So she's got that winning pedigree like you talked about um, going on over there at Wakeland, and, and she's uh, she's certainly proven that she knows what it takes to win a championship, at least at the TAPS mm-hmm. level. So uh, coming in, and, and it, it, I think it was another situation where it just kind of fell into place, it seems like. It's, she'd already moved to the district, yeah. correct? Yeah, she was already going to teach in yeah, Allen Ives. Yeah, and, and was kind of just you know keeping her ear to the ground for an opening, and, and then it all just kind of fell into place so where all very wasn't one just wasn't in line to be a coach at all. No, she just she moved into the district to teach and in the future I believe she wanted to yeah because Albury had, had kind of intimated again this was something that had been in the works he had talked yeah. to you know the you know the athletics department you know Steve Williams and Kim Gardner and just let them know this is what I kind of something want. I'm thinking about yeah, this is what I'm thinking about if you find somebody who you think would work as yeah. far as a replacement you know yeah so she didn't move with the immediate intention of okay here I am at, at you know coaching Allen's girls soccer team but it kind of again just kind of stars all aligned and I think Allen got a good one and, and um, a coach that, that should allow them to continue the, the run of success mm-hmm. for sure. So I think that um, definitely the three coaches we've talked about are, are set up for pretty good runs and in pretty good positions when they uh, when they take over their new gigs. It's always neat when we have uh, just coaching switches within markets because like you mentioned, you know, Jimmy Lankford comes from Little Elm to Wakeland so the natural question is then what happened to Little Elm girls soccer and how will they reload? Well, they bring in Adeline Wiley's head coach from the last nine years, Luis Manuel, Manuel Cordova. He posted a 108-48-8 record over those last nine seasons. Four district titles, seven playoff appearances, three trips to the regional tournament. They bring back you know, lots and lots of all-district ch- uh, talent. I could read off all the names, but I don't think we have enough time. The majority of their team were sophomores and juniors, uh, so they're 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 set and uh, they're in good hands with with Cordova coming in from Abilene. And that actually kind of uh, it just dawned on me. I didn't even have this name down on my list, and it just happened to slip my mind when I was we talk about just intermarket coaching changes. Mm-hmm. We actually did have one within Plano from the, yeah. uh, the public school level to the private school level with Jeff Clarkson, who had coached at uh, Plano East for the last handful of years, going to coach. Prestonwood Christian, um, one of the, I mean, maybe the top, you know, private school's <laughs> destination far as, as far as boys basketball goes. I mean, Clarkson, he was a Plano East alum. He came up, I want to say 2012 might have been his first year, and um, and that was a team, he inherited a team that was, you know, they hadn't made the playoffs the year before, but you could tell the talent was there, and then he immediately kind of put his stamp on things, took him to the regional semifinals. One of the better, one of the more just, just on just sheer talent, one of the better basketball teams that PISD has had over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and then, you know, that, that program was always a uh, just a consistent, you know, playoff uh, playoff participant. They did have a, uh, you know, district championship team in 2015, 2016 mm-hmm. in that neighborhood that uh, that went to the third round. And um, but now, yeah, he inherits a, a Prestonwood situation where I mean, Prestonwood Christian. They just had a run of I want to say it was what six consecutive it's, state championships. It's state or bust over yeah. there, basically. I mean, yeah, there might either. not be a, a private school where the sport is a uh, has a state championship expectation to the yeah. level of Prestonwood. I mean, you're talking. This is the program that's had you know Julius Randall's act. Peters, at one time Mickey Mitchell, um, you know, Snyder Herard. I mean, they've just always had just these, these nationally ranked Titans. And although it's going to be a bit of a different situation because Prestonwood's best, uh, you know, best returner, um, you know, Justin Webster, he transferred to a military academy. I want to say out in Virginia. So, I mean, it's going to be a, you know, we'll have to regroup as far as finding a, because, uh, I mean, Justin Webster was a, I mean, started for this team as a freshman. It's about to enter his senior year. So you're having to replace uh, some pretty big shoes to fill. That's an all state first team uh, participant. And, um, yeah, I mean, a but still, I mean, a, a quality situation. Just any way, any way you slice it. Um, one of the other basketball situations that kind of jumped out. Um, Plano West hired a uh, just its third ever girls basketball coach. 
um, this past uh, this past off season, which is I think that says something. A program that's almost sure. almost twenty years old and yeah. it's only had it's only on its third head coach, and they've kind of kept a uh, you know a pretty similar pattern as far as the uh, the trajectory goes. You had Don Patterson, you know, with all the success that he accomplished, and then um, you know when he retired, Kristen Perry, who was his top assistant, she took over, and um, you know she took over the program five years ago. I really should have this stuff in front of me. I don't remember <laughs> too much off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> and then um, and then yeah, she um, you know she moved on and took a uh, you know took an assistant principal job in Frisco ISD, and then her top assistant Kristen Grassy got uh, got promoted to fill that spot. You know this um you know this past off season, and she inherits a program that you know missed the playoffs last year. A rare a rare missed uh, missed postseason appearance for the Lady Wolves. But again, lots of uh, just a program that is steeped in winning tradition. Um, they had a run of just a ridiculous number of consecutive district championships. They went to the uh, the state tournament back in 2014. Again, once again, I'm trying to remember these years <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, and yet she has um you know at her disposal one of the uh, you know one of the very best players in the nation in Jade Nolans, and that'll uh, that'll certainly help. Uh, Help ease the transition for a new head coach when you get to inherit a team that already has one of the nation's top prospects. Um, as far as from a uh, from a football standpoint, we had um, just because it's football, why not mention we had um, I believe five new head coaches within um, just within our our coverage areas. We had you know Marcus Shavers McKinney, Isaiah Young taking over R.L. Turner, uh, Kenneth Gilchrist, who you can comment on in a bit, Brian taking over Frisco Heritage, uh, Scott Smith, not the Plano West Scott Smith, a different, <laughs> different Scott, Scott Smith, Smith taking over the job at uh, Frisco. Legacy Christian, um, Tim Cedar taking over the job at North Mesquite, and Stephen Greek moving from Prestonwood Christian as their offensive coordinator and now the head coach at Argyle Liberty Christian. Um, Brian, talk a little bit just about the hiring of, of Kenneth Gilchrist and just what that does for the Frisco Heritage football program. Yeah, well, Jay Hendricks, he, he left you know back in, in the middle of the season uh, in Central Texas near near Austin. I'm blanking on the, the, the the high school he went to, but Kenneth Gilchrist comes from Whitney, a uh, program where he you know turned around uh, down there in three A. Uh, he loses a quarterback in Amari Jones, who's probably the most dynamic high school player that I've seen out of Frisco. Yes, that's included with MJ Rivers <laughs> and Jason Shelley. Amari Jones is that good who's going to Tulane uh, next year, but he has a transfer coming in in Jason Falkenberry. <laughs> From Godley High School, had never heard of Godley before. You know, Falkenberry transferred. Um, he hired uh, Falkenberry's dad to become an assistant. So along comes Jason, and he's an All-State quarterback at that level, first-team All-District, All-County QB. On and on and on and on. He's six-three, two-twenty. You know, everything you want in a prototypical quarterback. So Heritage could shake things up with you know with Gilchrist at the helm and you know a new quarterback in Falconberry. One of the other situations that jumps off, and we've you know we've alluded to this one previously on the podcast, but I'm just fascinated to see what happens with McKinney under uh, under Marcus Shavers. Um, you know, this was a McKinney team that I mean last year was as good a year as they've had in you know in the past decade. You know, going seven and four, snapping a nine-year playoff drought, um, and but at the same time, you know, as we've mentioned, they did lose a lot of senior talent from that team. They lost their entire their entire starting offense, the majority of their defense. But when you look at what Shavers did in his previous stop at Lubbock Est. I mean, you talk about just making an immediate impact. That Estacado team was two and eight um, before uh, Shavers got his hands on them, and then he just—he was there for just two seasons. But in those two seasons, they went from two and eight to eight and four and ten and two. So an immediate turnaround. And um, so we'll see. I mean, obviously, um, you know, competing in Class Six A and District Nine Six A, it's uh, not going to be the most forgiving of districts. Okay. And you know, it's—it's it's a bit of a different deck to work with because again, he's got going to have to acclimate a lot of kids who are you know who. Are not uh, not exactly accustomed to the varsity spotlight, much right. like their uh, their predecessors were. But um, yeah, 
just say, I mean, when you have a, a unique situation like that, plus with the impact, the instant impact that Shavers was able to make at his previous stop, um, McKinney is definitely a team that will be uh, on my radar. Taylor, anybody else that jumped off the page during the offseason to you? Yeah, there were a couple names. Um, at Lovejoy, uh, Brittany Lee will take over the softball program. Um, I think that's another situation where uh, first-year head coach is going to get to step in and, and have yeah. basically the they're ideal situation. Yeah, Lovejoy is always solid. good. They always have uh, talent coming through the pipeline. Um, so I think that's a, a really great situation. It's her first head coaching job. She was an assistant at Coppell for, I think, a season. Um, not very long. Um, not very uh, far removed from college herself and, and college softball at Stephen F. Austin. So um, her first head coaching job and, and a pretty ideal situation to take over uh, the Lady Leopards there and, and uh, have that kind of talent and that kind of pedigree. Um, then also Katie Madison at Lake Dallas uh, will take over. Another assistant uh, jumping into the head coaching role. Um, Jonathan Lee departed uh, for one of the new Frisco schools. I want to say Lebanon Trail? I believe is that, so. Is that yeah. I think so, yeah. Departed for Lebanon Trail. Uh, we'll coach over there and Madison, uh, his assistant, will uh, jump up to be the head coach at Lake Dallas. And I think that's another program maybe not quite as, as well set up as some of these other ones, but another program that I think could have some success and, and definitely have some building blocks for uh, at least a, a postseason bid, I would think, in, in her first year. And she's obviously very familiar. Uh, she's been in Lake Dallas, uh, the school district in general, forever, um, you know, coaching through the middle school ranks and is really familiar with the players and all that sort of thing and, and what they have coming up, which is which is probably going to help her. So I think another situation where um, not a guarantee, but I would expect a, a competitive year and, and a potential postseason appearance from the uh, from the Lady Falcons under her. You mentioned softball, uh, Brian. You actually just had an interesting softball hire out at uh, out Prosper, a story that you're going to actually have in this uh, this week's edition of the Salina Record. Talk a little bit about that, just that unique hiring. So Stacy Jackson announces her resignation, you know, a few weeks ago. She led Lady Eagles to a 14-0 record in softball this past year, their best season in school history. Three rounds deep in the playoffs, they had the most dominant pitcher. Now they're making the move to 6A, so it makes sense. You know, stick around. She's you know turned this program around. Not that it was a you know a struggling program before, but now they're making the move to 6A. Stick with Jackson. The majority of your team are you know sophomores and juniors, young players that have only been with you you know as a head coach for their entire high school career. A good core returning. And then she picks a totally different career field in sales. And so the assistant coach, uh, Todd Rainwater, who uh, up until about five or so years ago wasn't coaching at all as a, <laughs> as a full-time career position, he was in law enforcement. He was working in jails. He was patrolling the streets and squad cars. He was investigating murders, investigating, you know, burglaries, all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's like, man, I, I want to I still be a coach. That's, that was his passion since he was 18. He played baseball in college. And so he, he said he told his wife one day, he's like, well, not just one day, but it was, it was leading up to it. But finally told her one day, he's like, I can't keep doing this. So in his early 40s, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm going to try and try and be a coach. So Prosper opened up a law enforcement curriculum with you know, law enforcement classes, forensic science, stuff like that, stuff that he could teach. So he jumped on that opportunity. He, he landed that, and then he went straight to the, uh, the, the all the, the coaching, the, the teams at, at Prosper, and then he became an assistant on the football team. And so he told me he... He closed his squad car on a Sunday and was the, uh, at on the field on that Monday, the following day, less than 24 hours later, you know, coaching two days in football for Prosper. And then he let God, that led him into softball as an assistant. Two years into that, he became the, the varsity assistant under Jackson. And then she resigns. And then, so then they have this big hole to fill at, at head coach. And the the obvious answer to that, you know, that vacancy was right in front of him in Rainwater. And, you know, they made the hire and, you know, from, 
from patrolling the streets to coaching a, a 6A up-and-coming powerhouse mm-hmm. in softball. It's, it's a crazy story. And that'll be in this this Friday's uh, edition of Salina and uh, First Go Enterprise as well. You mentioned have taken over a team that is in such a good spot from mm-hmm. a development standpoint. And that can also affect, you know, just as far as kind of how to gauge which coaching situations stand. Uh, I guess maybe have a bit more first-year success than others. Same case for um, just simply moving into a district that maybe benefits your sport yeah. a bit more right. than another because I'm looking at a couple ones kind of out in the you know Denton County ways where um, you know you have some new hires at Capel and Flower Mountain and when you factor in being in a new district like 66A where for most of the sports it you know it's it's expected that you know Louisville ISD and Capel are going to occupy mm-hmm. most of those playoff spots um, which should I mean help kind of ease the transition for some coaches like Clint Schnell who takes over for Capel boys basketball a program that actually could be set up to potentially contend for a district championship I mean they have already got a pretty a pretty uh, a pretty consistent playoff history that made the playoffs nine of the past ten years um, you know and Clint Schnell has familiarity with the program itself not the varsity level but he was their freshman coach for a while before he took a job at um, at Arlington Martin prior to coming back to Capella to coach um, the varsity level and he's got I mean some pretty pretty impressive talent waiting in the wings you know Quavian Adger who was named the sophomore of the year at a 9-6A last year Tariq Amon KJ Liggins a star on the football team also does the same on the basketball court that's a program that um, you know you're stepping right in and you expect to compete for a playoff berth right out of the gates. Ditto for Flower Mound Volleyball, where um, Jamie Siegel takes over from Marcy Laraquenta, who I believe went down to Westlake, went down to the Austin area to continue coaching. But that's another program with a consistent playoff history. Made the playoffs six of the past seven years. And just they, the, you know, Louisville ISC is never lacking in volleyball talent, <laughs> evidenced by what a, you know, Hebron's done. Flower Mound's been a part of that equation with some pretty significant playoff runs in recent memory. I um, mean, they've got some strong talent there. Players like Kaylee Cox, Sarah Martinez, Emily Merrick. And it's a situation that, again, much like uh, you know the Capel one, because of the district they're in, you would expect that you know Coach Siegel is going to be able to step right in and make an immediate impact. Um, let's see. That's um, yeah. So that's a look at uh, just a few of the uh, the notable first year head coaches within uh, within some of our markets. Um, we've got uh, one more question on the docket, and we will get to that one right after a word from the sponsor. Today's Student Athlete Spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years! That's three presidential terms. Uh, you can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And let's round this out with one more entry from our summer question series before we bid this uh, this concept for the podcast to do for the summer. We've got something else in mind for the rest of the summer, um, and we will uh, touch on that at a, at a future date. But um, for now, so um, I remember on a previous entry, we discussed some teams that didn't make the playoffs that we thought could potentially make the playoffs in 2018-19. We're going to take that same idea, except kind of take a, a bit of a more extreme spin on it. Look at teams that finished last place in their respect. Uh, districts that could potentially make the playoffs for this coming season. So not exactly a worst-to-first story, but that nice middle ground of being able to go from uh, just a, a really a real strong bounce back for being able to finish, you know, last place one year, and then be among the top four in your district <laughs> the next. Um, Brian, where did you land on this one? The Reedy boys basketball team was probably the most unlucky team of all time. <laughs> wow. At least, at least, at least <laughs> in Frisco boys that's basketball. <laughs> that's a huge walk back you just made there. <laughs> you went from the most unlucky team of all time to 
in Frisco 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 Boys Frisco. basketball I built history. Up and really back down. You really so. cut the sample size. And I, <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Let me backtrack a little bit. So, uh, they ended the year 1 and 13 in district yeah. playing. You look at that and you're like, yuck. And, you know, they're, they're not built for success in the coming years, you know, but. You know, five of their losses were by nine points or less. You know, you're like, okay, they they, they were going to win all five of those. It's mm-hmm. just it's nine yeah. points is a lot of points in basketball. Four of those were by one field goal or less. Two or one points were, were their losses. You know, they had gut wrenching losses to Frisco, gut wrenching losses to Wakeland, to Centennial. You know, li- literally by one point. I'm looking at this. I saw them play against Lone Star. You know, one of the top boys basketball teams in the district. And I'm like, man, Reedy's not. That bad, and, you know, like not one in thirteen no, bad. Not one in thirteen. They, I mean, and they didn't get slaughtered by Lone Star team that finished the top of the district. You know, a team that had a lot of senior talent, a lot of talent just in general. They just, they just weren't that bad. They're, they have a good coach and John Youngblood. They have a good core returning. It was their first year of, uh, of varsity basketball with seniors. So okay. you know, they're still going through growing pains. Mm-hmm. You know, at Reedy this year, not only will I think they be, they'll be much improved, but I think they'll be somewhere in that mix. For the four seed ish, somewhere in that middle ground in the Frisco district in boys basketball, they, re- they returned eight players that were juniors last year. They're going to be seniors this year. So guys that you know that they got kicked while they were down, and you know they got that that much needed experience, and, and they'll be back. I think I think they'll be they'll have their breakout year on the on the hardwood this year. Taylor, where did you land on this hypothetical? Was your last place finisher that you could see potentially making a run to the playoffs? It was difficult looking at, at District 8-5A because where a lot of those teams kind of came from is very much a melting pot of a couple districts that make up the new 8-5A. Um, and where a lot of those teams come from, they were all pretty middling. Like, um, you know, in, in 14-5A, it was usually the Carrollton schools finishing in the cellar and, and one of them finishing last place. Uh, and so in the other district where the Denton schools came from is usually Sherman or Denison mm-hmm. finishing last place, not the Denton schools. Um, even though, you know, Braswell had a, a little bit of a rougher time just being kind of a, a, a newer um, program and all that kind of stuff. But but really there weren't a lot of teams that finished last um, that are now in 8-5A. So where I eventually landed was uh, a team we don't cover but will uh, now that they're in 8-5A in uh, Justin Northwest softball. Um, and my reasoning is is basically, I mean, they went 2-12 and 12 last year. Um, I don't know a ton about everybody they have coming back um, and, and how good they'll be, but I think just in general, 8-5A softball is a little more wide open than a lot of districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have the colony at the top. Um, obviously, I, I think uh, they'll probably be the district champion, uh, either them or, or Denton Ryan. Denton Ryan is, is a really good softball power, too. So those two will likely slug it out for, for the title. Uh, Little Lemon Lake Dallas, uh, Little Lemon a little bit more should be pretty good, um, kind of coming up a little bit. Lake Dallas is young and, and could take a step forward. But beyond those four teams and, and even putting Little Lemon Lake Dallas kind of in the bubble, it's pretty it's pretty wide open. The other two Denton schools aren't aren't you know, great. Um, Northwest obviously had a down year finishing the last, but it's one of those cases where, you know, it's a smaller district. There's a lot of parity beyond the colony and Denton Ryan. So, you know, I've seen crazier things happen. I've seen teams miss the playoffs and, and teams make the playoffs that, that shouldn't and, and shouldn't have um, already just in my time here. So it's it's not a, a huge stretch, I guess, to imagine, you know, Lake Dallas or Little Elm or, or somebody slipping up and, and letting a team like Northwest 
you know, sneak in. So the, really kind of my default almost, just because like I said, there weren't a lot of, of last place finishers coming into this district. It's a pretty, it's a district with a lot of parity in a lot of different mm -hmm. sports, just because everybody was kind of in the middle of their districts last year. Brian, one thing you mentioned about how Reedy was just flat unlucky a lot of times, and that's kind of a, a nice segue to a note that um, Justin Thomas, or Denton County Sports Editor, passed along as far as a team that's kind of on his radar for this hypothetical. Um, Heber and girls basketball kind of you know fell into that same uh, that same pretense last year. I mean, it's not like you know a win here there would have been the difference between a playoff berth or not, but this team did finish last. But they did have a lot of really close losses against some of the better teams in the district. Um, but they uh, their big thing heading into this season is they have their entire team back. Literally. They did not have a single senior on um, on last year's team. And um, you factor in the, I mean, you just saw what happened with a team like Plano Senior and the Ben, what that was able to do for them. And obviously I'm not projecting a, district, a state <laughs> championship or anything here, but yeah. as far as what that um, what that continuity can mean for a team that um, just kind of gets to grow up an extra year together and um, just a team that was kind of went through the uh, th went through the fire of yeah. you know, some tough setbacks, maybe winning some more of those close games that mm -hmm. kind of yeah. got away from them last season. Um, so yeah, they're going to have their entire team back. They could have actually on paper one of the better back courts in the entire district with uh, Sierra Dixon and Deja Melton. Um, and that's, again, another one of those situations where being in a district where um, you know it's expected that the Louisville ISD schools and, right. uh, and Capel or should, um, should compete for those top five spots. Um, and we'll see Irving MacArthur's a strong program traditionally. They might have a say in this as well. But the, um, there's at least a, uh, a road map there for this Hebron team to potentially get back to the postseason mm -hmm. after finishing last in 5-6A last year. And then um, my actual selection for this is actually the, uh, the, um, the only, uh, as far as I can tell, the only uh, athletics program or team, I should say, that has blocked me on Twitter, unfortunately. Plano West Boys Soccer. No hard feelings. Uh, no hard feelings to the Wolves. Nothing but love over here. But, um, you know, Plano West Boys Soccer fell on some uh, some tough times last year. I mean, they were uh, a little uh, kind of inconsistent as far as their other results go. You know, they tied for last place in 6-6-A, went 3-9-2 in the district. And, um, and this was a program that had made the playoffs for the previous four years. Um, and they advanced three rounds deep twice within that span. So it was very kind of a, a year that was a little bit out of left field for the Wolves, um, you know, so to speak. They, um, I mean, there is enough tradition there, at least recently, as far um, and where um, you know you feel like they should be able to to right the ship. Um, one of the things that is you know before West kind of got hot in recent years with you know winning you know, district championships and making significant playoff runs, their big bugaboo was just having a tough time scoring. You know they uh, at least as far as I can recall some with some uh, you know some interviews years ago with um, former head coach now uh, you know Jimmy Dowell um, is that they just they lack the true the true forwards the guys who were just natural goal scoring forwards and they're having to kind of play some kids out of position just to fit those. Roles, right. um, but yeah, I mean, there's, but it's, it's, you know, Plano West again. There's, it's, it's a program that is steeped in tradition. They are under a new head coach, um, Brennan Satcher, making the move from uh, from Frisco Independence to take over the Wolves, and um, that's a situation there. Just based on their uh, just previous pedigree, I mean, I think they're a, they're a potential bounce back candidate in District Nine Six A this coming year. Now, and why did you get blocked? Or is that a segment <laughs> for? A I have blocking? no idea. I think maybe if I if I had to pinpoint one thing, I think when we did. Uh, our, um, our pre-district predictions and we predict the order of finish because um, I, I mean we don't I mean I don't let any of us run from our ballots I post the individual ballots alongside the uh, mm -hmm. you know the aggregate stuff on our on our website and I believe on my individual ballot I actually might have picked them to finish last 
So if I had to guess, that was it. But who knows? I think I'm a I think I'm a pretty uh, pretty nice kind young man on Twitter. But so they blocked you before the season even began when they saw at that? least like uh, or did they block you after they finished last? I think like, it was, was right. We were trying to. <laughs> we, I don't want to say the same. We word. were trying to find the uh, the result from one of their matches. It we just um from a uh, we were trying to update our uh, the playbook or whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, we just couldn't find a score of theirs. So naturally, let's check the Twitter feed. Those you know they always update it with the results, and I uh, couldn't um. I said, Taylor, can you? I, yeah, I just couldn't access it. Like I was trying to type in the, uh, you know, the Twitter handle, and it wouldn't come up like under the uh, search results. And that's weird. So then I went in like uh, under Google and just like search like Plano West boys basketball, but boys soccer, I should say, uh, Twitter, and then just clicked on the, uh, you know, what their Twitter handle is, and then they, uh, yeah, got the big old block screen. <laughs> so there you go, man. So, yeah. We'll never know the full story. I know. Mystery, uh, mystery for the ages. So, but yeah, that's a uh, that's a look at a few a uh, few teams that uh, you know that fell on some tough times last year, finished last in their respective districts, but could be in for a uh, for some brighter prospects in 2018-19. And that shall uh, that shall conclude this edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. Taylor, Brian, appreciate y'all for tagging along. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to round out our um, our three part series um, on the Varsity Awards. We'll be discussing some of our selections for. Uh, you know what? I'll reveal it on Monday. Everybody, um, <laughs> you guys, um, folks, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.